Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Prime Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. And we are here to fill your eyes with tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. <laughs> That's how the song goes, right? Yes. Fill your eyes with this tunnel, tunnel vision. vision. Anyway, this uh, fir- this is the first of a somewhat loose four-parter in which the team splits up to look for clues. Well, yeah, you got to find As all the parts, parts in different parts of the world so you can assemble the mass device. Don't split the party. Yeah, we gotta gotta find the O parts. Yes. Oh, that too. It it it, it is an overused gimmick in cartoons and, and fiction, but it it's an interesting one. Because you can mix up character dynamics in, in different locales, although it means you have to model new things now that we're in CG. Yep. <laughs> so this first aired May 5th, 2012, written by Andrew Robinson, who is not the guy who played Gul Ducat on uh, Deep Space Nine. Aww. Oh. Not Chris Robinson of uh, The Black Crows. No, nor any of the members of the uh, crew of the Jupiter One in Lost in Space. <laughs> but did, did he ever crash on Mars with a monkey? Probably not. But uh, he might have. I mean, he had never. Uh, but he what never he know. did was write three episodes of animated, uh, and specifically all three of the ones with lockdown. Oh, oh okay. And that he would go on to write uh, two episodes of Rescue Bots and an episode of Robots in Disguise. So hmm. as as a very brief aside, uh, I have noticed uh, popular indie person Kate Leff uh, doing some stuff on Cyberverse. And basically Shadow Striker is, is her lockdown. Uh, like, whenever there's an episode uh. with Shadow Striker in any sort of prominent role, it's one of hers. Mm. But no lockdown in this episode of Prime. No. Hmm. I, so we, I think uh, that's really interesting when you get, like, a writer who's just the one person who always writes a particular character. Ah. Anyway. So the uh, the nemesis is heading towards New York City, the Big Apple. Five boroughs. So that means we're going to get, like, thousands of new, like, human char- background characters? And... Uh, let's just say, well, it looks, the buildings and everything look nice. It is a slightly less accurate depiction of the crowded nature of New York than the uh, classic Generation 1 episode, City of Steel. <laughs> yes. Yes, I... Uh, I don't this... know New York well enough to like tell like where they are. The buildings sort of like look Bronxy, I guess, or maybe Red Hook that we this... see in the very limited part. But this needed some City of Steel references, but I guess hmm. nothing actually needs City of Steel references. 
No. It's really best we all just forget that happened. It did feel like it had references to other things to me that we'll get to. Yeah. Well, yeah. So anyway, they, uh, you know, they figure out that the, uh, the relic that they're looking for is underground. So they, uh, first step, obviously you send, um, RC and Bumblebee down there because they're the least conspicuous. Well, we started out, well, also, uh, yeah, you've got that, but you've also got the Decepticon side of things. Yes. Yeah, because they just decide to effectively retreat from New York because Megatron well, has I think, plans. Well, they're going to send a bunch of guys and they're just going to drop them off. Yeah. But it's also like, okay, so, <laughs> look, I, I got to talk about this because it's Knockout. It's my bro. Yes. Uh, he's, we're we're kind of acknowledging that Breakdown died, but not like... Yes. To getting too yeah, like over emotional about it. Yeah, he there, says in memory of my of... fallen comrade. Yes, yeah. and poses dramatically, and Megatron tells him that this is not time for preening. Uh, <sighs> and yeah. these are some like have I felt like these were some like special elite viacons. I don't know. I I just felt like they looked. Fancier they, than usual. I think they're the mining guys. Yeah, because they, they have like the two vertical or two horizontal slits for eyes, or is it? Three? And they've got the drill tank. Yeah. Well, I mean, they are going to drill. I don't think we've seen the miner face for shit all season. I don't think. No, I think the last time we saw them was in that uh, episode where Ratchet was on drugs. Um, I I I felt like. There is definitely a a clear contrast in the Autobot and Decepticon approaches to this because they're like, okay, RC and Bumblebee, you guys go because you're small, and Megatron's just like knockout. You are small and useless. We will give you this large bug. Yes, because yeah. he sends a, a large Insecticon. And Knockout is thrilled. How how very repellent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I it it does you know he's like. They're being mean to him for being small. <laughs> it's just I mean, they're Decepticons. Mean. They're generally pretty mean. I mean, yes. it's It does seem like a very clear delineation of, of the Decepticon philosophy there. And I honestly felt kind of... Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend this entire episode feeling sorry for Knockout. I'll just put that out there now. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so the, you know, the, the Autobots are going to go, but they figure... They need a face man, and possibly also a, a howling mad Murdoch, a B.A. Baracus, <laughs> and who is the fourth guy? Um, Hannibal something? Yeah, Hannibal. I don't. What the hell was it? I don't remember his full name. It was George Papard, the old guy. He loves it when a plan comes together. Yes. Yeah, and he smoked a cigar, and and I think he hated everybody else in the cast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh. fair. This and feels so, like it, as as missions go, this feels like the most appropriate one to have child accompaniment on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but, but Because indeed no. they both they, they end up sending both Jack and Miko, even though as Miko points out, Jack has never actually been in a subway. Yes. Yeah, well because has never left Jasper, Nevada. <laughs> which is an interesting and sad little fact. Um because they can't send Fowler because he's still <laughs> 
funky and saying weird things, which may have actually been a quote from an, another episode because it's the only line he has in this episode. Doesn't he yell banana fish? I don't I think he's ever yelled banana fish before. I didn't quite catch whatever it was. <laughs> I know it isn't the only line he has in this episode. He's awake at oh, the end. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Okay, so yeah, he isn't. It is, it's weird that he doesn't go. It, it's odd. It may be a reference to the J.D. Salinger story, A Perfect Day for Banana Fish. <laughs> That's really well, I odd. I get the impression that... Meta plot wise, he is going to be needed elsewhere. So, yeah. Yes. Well, indeed, he turns up in the next episode. Yes, but it would have been and nice I to think have him. I get the impression he's going to be doing more later for what comes up in towards the end of this episode. Yes. But they could have had him wandering around in, in the sewers, and, and then he sees a puddle and complains about a river of slime. It's a missed opportunity. It's a river of slime. <laughs> Anyway, so we go to New York City, and I'm eagerly awaiting uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Spider-Man crossover that does not happen. Also, uh, no. I, I do appreciate that that Jack is like, I went to Cybertron, and Miko's like, Cybertron doesn't have subways. Or do they? <laughs> <laughs> they have those like weird underground monorail things in Desertion of the Dinobots. Yeah, like the, the bank tubes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was a good episode. Lots of swoop. I like the amount of swoop in that episode. So we anyway. don't yeah, so we don't spend much time above ground because it turns out there are people above ground and uh <laughs> we don't have a lot of people. They're they're hard to animate. Yeah. Th- yeah, we have to make new models for them and like hair and faces and yeah, so Outfits. they didn't have the, they, there were a few cars we saw and some honking. Mostly it was just the, yeah, there's some background noise. Buildings, but the buildings actually could have just been repurposed buildings from Jasper just stacked on top of each other so they're a little taller. <laughs> it's like, in, it's like Inception. Yeah. Look, skyscrapers are just tall buildings. <laughs> so anyway, they get into the tunnels. Um, we get a, uh, a, a real Chekhov's gun here when uh, Bumblebee has to be told not to step on the third rail. Yes. I mean, to be fair, that is A, important knowledge, and B, something that anyone who is actually familiar at all with subways would want to see acknowledged because it's kind of important. Or but also- has seen fiction about subways, although they kind of... Ag- there are points when it seems like they kind of ignore that, the way that things are animated. Like, they should be stepping, one of the robots should be stepping on the third rail, but it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Also, it is kind of funny that even Bumblebee is a little too big to be working in this space. Yes. Poor guy. So anyway, they get separated from the Autobots, and they run into uh, Vogel, who immediately tells them to bite his shiny metal ass. <laughs> Oh. Special guest voice actor of was. the week, John DiMaggio. Just and John DiMaggioing it up. At his New Yorkiest. Yes. Oh, that, that's why the voice was familiar, but odd. Oh. I mean, it's not quite Bender, no, but it's, it's not very Bender. close to Bender. Yeah, it, it's in the vicinity. It's less. It's certain. maybe it's it's a, a slightly less silly, uh, Jake the dog, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's uh, named after Mike Vogel, who is, uh, I think he was the head of the hub. Oh. That's cool. Oh, I thought he was named after a character from Gargoyles. Is there a guy now? (laughs) I thought he was was... 
named after that being. That was the guy just... played by Brent Spiner? No. No, Brent Spiner was Owen. Yeah, Brent right. Spiner also was... Also something else that I'm not going to spoil. Well, right. we could spoil... It's been years. He, he was... Um, well, actually, we, can't, we don't... Read, but the point no. is, Brent Spiner was playing a character... No spoiling 25-year-old children's program. Brent Spiner was playing a butler to Xanatos, who was trying to, in his own words, out Vogel Vogel, who was, like, the stock butler. All right, was he, like, his dad's butler or something? Yeah. Yeah, I think he was only right. in a few episodes. Right. I knew he was some kind of, like, butler-y guy. Anyway, so we're we're going down to the sewers to investigate things, and we meet a me- weird man who tells weird stories, and it reminded me of a story I found in a manga that I bought because it had Lovecraft manga in it, and it's not translated. <laughs> oh. I was going to say he reminds me of Charles S. Dutton's character from the movie Mimic. Okay, well, I could see that. I could which see that. Also involves a giant insect in the zone. Wait, actually, oh shit! How yeah. old is Mimic? I just thought he reminded me of a guy who sounded a lot like John DiMaggio, and whose character design ah. was a very good example of why they don't have more random humans in this show because it's kind of a half-assed character design. Okay, you might be also right about Mimic. Um, the story I was thinking of is Far Below by Robert Bar. Barber Johnson from 1939. I think that's what they based Mimic on. No, Mimic is a story by Donald A. Wolheim from 1942. Oh. Both of them are about weird shit. Well, Mimic is different. It, it's about bugs. It does have something to do with subways, but uh, Far Below is... I haven't actually read the story because I read the manga. I, I bought a book called The Weird, A Compendium of Strange Stories, so I could finally read Far Below because I got the manga with a collection of Lovecraftian stories with Far Below in it like five years ago. I just haven't actually read Far Below. But in the manga, it's like a guy, I think he's a police detective or an investigator or something, goes into the subways, runs into some guys doing weird shit in subways, like they're hunting around trying to find things on the rails. And it turns out they're hunting, like, Pikmin's model-like ghouls that are actually people, like fellow workers in the subways who've turned into monsters over time. And at the end of the story, the guy runs up into the sunlight, turns into a monster, and burns. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, it turns out that Vogel, who does not see the Autobots, kind of believes in all this stuff. Yes, that's the thing. It's like, he's... He's like, talking about giant uh, giant snakes, albino alligators, the usual and mole see, people. See, if only it had been robot alligators. Uh, pimps and chuds. Yeah, that's another thing. I was thinking chud, the, too. Well, chud, not chud, too. This guy has definitely encountered a chud. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, he thinks that, you know, the, the mole men are building their armies to rise against, uh, you know, the, the surface dwellers. Mm. <laughs> and Miko and Jack are kind of stringing them along. Uh, they say they're on a school trip and they got lost. Uh, she refers to Jack as Leonard. Yeah, Miko does a very good little, I'm a helpless little school kid. Yes. Thing. And then later on, after he, figures that out. He also says they're looking for their dog. Yeah. Raph, where are you, Raph? Here, boy! Here, Raph. Ouch. 
Well, you know, a lot anyway, of episodes, so, uh, he pretty much is just a dog along for the ride unless he's hacking something. Yeah. Meanwhile, Arsene and Bumblebee run into Knockout and uh, the uh, the Viacom miners. They get attacked by the Insecticon. I kind of like how they do the Insecticon creeping along the ceiling. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. again, like when we saw him, saw the one on Cybertron doing that, shouldn't he be, he'd be making noise, like sinking claws into the tunnel? Maybe the stuff here is softer than it is in Cybertron? What? Maybe they have magnets. I'm going to say... Well, magnets. that's the thing. On Cybertron magnets, it makes sense that it'd still be noisy, but he's got to be sinking claws in to stay in the subway. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many pipes there. He's uh, he's connecting his magnets to the rebar inside the concrete. <laughs> Do I get a no prize? Is this my no prize? Th- yes. <laughs> that, that actually makes the most sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's a fight. Uh, Knockout ends up with the artifact. Hmm. And then we cut back to Jack and Miko, and it turns out that Miko is kind of, you know, she's, she feels left out because Jack is the guy who gets to go on all the cool missions and who was the one entrusted with, you know, the, uh, the key to Vector Sigma and such. <laughs> yes. Which, I mean, listen, Miko, you, you certainly have value to the team, but you're also a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can you imagine sending her to Cybertron, and and she would just touch everything. She would yes. touch all the buttons. Oh, she, if there is a button, she would touch she'd it. She'd get lost. She'd turn on and a Metroplex not... or something. <laughs> yes. That button from Five Faces of Darkness that turns all Transformers off, she'd definitely <laughs> yes. press that one. She would absolutely <laughs> touch that button. She'd probably find the plasma energy chamber. Mm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the dweller in the depths. <laughs> just think it was really cool and everyone else would be zombies because that's what it did was that sort of vampire zombie thing man i love that episode anyway they they have ditched um vogel at this point but he finds them again and this time they actually come clean because that is the one excuse he would believe yes because he is crazy so like lost dog yeah i don't know space robots Uh, tell me more (laughs) yes I mean, to be fair, I mean, at the end, they do swear him to secrecy. But even if he did tell anyone, he's already the kind of guy no one would believe. Yes. So it's it'll work out. Yeah. It's fine. And also at some point, uh, RC and Knockout are fighting and he comments on her lovely features. <laughs> yes. Uh, he just means aesthetically. Well, later on during a fight, Arcee does say, come to mama. Is is Arcee a milf? A rilf? Maybe. Uh, no. Just, just her <laughs> saying mama is, is very strange. Like, I mean, if Bulkhead something st- said something stupid like that, like he watches TV, I don't think Arcee watches much TV with the others. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm going to say, as the expert on Arcee, she probably acts like she's not watching it, like she's doing some sort of, like, I don't know, beating up a, a boxing bag or a punching bag or something in the background, but she's totally watching. She's just pretending not to. Tony Vogel is driving, like, a street sweeper, sort of a modified subway car, and it ends up hitting Knockout and dragging him 
through this tunnel, ruining his finish. Oh, yeah. So sad. I I hurt for him. And unfortunately, this has also damaged the brakes on this uh, sweeper car. And they are headed towards a dead end. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, that's not good. So RC catches up with them. She jumps on it. And uh, Vogel almost pulls Will Smith. <laughs> he grabs an axe and he's all, welcome to Earth. <laughs> so she has to do a thing where she, you know, she can't fix it, but she has to physically realign the tracks to put them onto a different track that doesn't end with their fiery deaths. <laughs> yes, she has to get down and kick it into place, which is fairly dramatic. Yes. And she manages to not touch the third rail during this, which is important because she then goes on to fight this Insecticon and she straight up electrocutes it with the third rail. <laughs> it's a very good fight, though. Yes. It's it's very tiny ninja. She's all, like, jumping around it and off it and over it. And because there's only one Insecticon in this episode, they're back to being badasses. Yes. Yeah. It's their their badassitude has to be distributed over however many of them there are. So, so yeah, if there's just one, it gets the full concentrated badassness. Meanwhile, Knockout is fighting uh, Bumblebee. Bumblebee accidentally turns on this relic just in time to almost get hit by a train. But luckily, this is the this is a phase shifter, which gives you Kitty Pride powers. <laughs> Yay! Which earlier, I mean, so Knockout, you know, he had Bumblebee and RC on the ropes for a moment and was just going to, like, use it on them. But, like, don't just go around touching the possible weapon of mass destruction without knowing what it does. Also, yeah, in this case, if he had just, like, pointed it at one of them, it'd be like, okay, now their face shifted. Good job. That totally showed them who's boss. Yeah. So indeed, it's him, the, tra he's boss. the train does miss uh, Bumblebee, or rather passes right through him, but it does not pass through Knockout, and his finish gets even more destroyed. <laughs> poor finish. It's it's some it's a uh, got some pretty uh, significant battle damage by the end of this episode. Yeah, so he gets up, you know, get, he's all ready to, you know, he lets out his menacing line, you know, you scratch my face, I'll scratch yours. And then yes. just immediately runs away. <laughs> he, he does like look into the, uh, like the windshield of the, the sweeper car, like as a mirror, and it's just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. He just wanted to be pretty. So we got the artifact, everything is okay, but we've still got this crazy guy who knows about Transformers, so they have to place a cult Fowler who deputizes him over the phone into a, he's an, a, as a member of the Department of Interstellar Relations. <laughs> Which, I mean, fair enough. I, I appreciate that this is something that they could have totally just like called some rando to do, but this is actually a you know, federal agent with some kind of authority. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, they could have just called Ratchet to do this. <laughs> yep. But now Fowler is talking about being in the middle of some sort of emergency. So yes, which we'll find out in is going on. several episodes. So yeah, It's part four. 
Yeah. That is kind of the neat thing about this set of episodes is that, like, they're all happening at the same time. So you see these little bits that, like, fit in. It's it's nice. I like that kind of storytelling. Yeah. So they drive away and Vogel just has to ponder the, the whole robot the disguise thing. And he's just going to live the rest of his life in fear. <laughs> and then we never see him again. The end. Yep. Though he is clearly thinking about turning his track sweeper into a robot. <laughs> yes. And so that is Tunnel Vision. It's a very lightweight episode. The tunnel Vision. But I'm a sucker for John DiMaggio and New York's uh New York underground stuff. Yeah. So I forget, was that the only John DiMaggio we get in Transformers, or was he somebody uh, in Robots in Disguise? He was, and he's also in the uh, the live-action movies. Oh, okay, yeah, I forgot He's, uh, he's Crosshairs. Yes. Crosshairs. Oh, right. it's, the one Autobot is, I kind of... Actually, I mean, I guess I kind of like a few of them, but It's John DiMaggio kind of just characters. doing a Jason Statham impression. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's actually a voice actor doing yes. one of these characters and not just... You know, normal stunt casting. And, uh, and he, oh, he was also in Dark of the Moon. Yes. And he, yes, in a, that was. In... Oh, no, that's right. Uh, okay. He's I'm, one of the I wreckers. don't know Transformers movies. They're stupid. <laughs> that's, but yeah, Crosshairs shows up in Age of Extinction. But then he was, John DiMaggio was someone else in Dark. Look, I watched Dark yeah. of the Moon literally once. All right, it does lead to perhaps my favorite John DiMaggio anecdote, which he uh, relayed in an interview on the AV Club. He says, last Christmas I go to see some Christmas movie, me, my girlfriend, and some of her family members, and we see a Transformers trailer, and at the end of it, as it's dying down, it's quiet in the theater, and I go, thanks, Michael Bay, you just ruined fucking Christmas. <laughs> and the whole place exploded in laughter. Which is great, right? This was in L.A. and at the Cinerama Dome or whatever. Literally three weeks later, I get a call saying, yeah, John, Michael Bay needs to see you in Santa Monica. So it turns out <laughs> I totally shit on the movie, and then three weeks later, I end up in it. <laughs> Good job. Oh, yeah, and he was also a Nitro Zeus. <gasps> oh, the best character oh, in last he? night. Well, I Possibly. Speaking of the A-Team. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, that wasn't a good movie, but I did enjoy bits of it. Oh, oh Nitro Zeus. Is, I mean, the yeah. Decepticon stuff is fun because it's just Michael Bay doing Suicide Squad yeah. for five minutes in the middle of the movie for some reason. Which, which is fine. <laughs> yes. So that is Tunnel Vision. Uh, join us next week for Triangulation. Uh, I don't Yay. know any songs it's about be an entirely trigonometry oriented it, episode. Triangle Man fights Person Man. It's actually just me playing the triangle for about forty-five minutes. It's a lot of uh, staccato dings. <laughs> That's fair. I don't have a triangle. I just have springs on my mic arm. Yeah, it's more of a gong. Yeah. Anyway, of course, until then, you can find us all over the internet. Uh, we are on both Twitter and Facebook. And <laughs> what's a Tumblr? We what's don't, a, what's a, it's a, dead to us. It's pretty much yeah. it's dead to everyone. That's that's pretty hilarious. 
we are also hosted on iaconunderground.net, uh, where we have a Patreon set up to help us with hosting fees and other expenses. That is at uh, patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, and then this month, what is what is this month again? We're in February? So, yeah, we're still in February. Yeah, we, we, we're going to watch something and it's going to be great. It, it'll be out before the end of the month, that, that's for sure, where uh, scheduling's uh, funky. <laughs> it might be some more kimono friends. There's penguins, Probably. we got to get to the penguins. Oh shit, the penguins. Penguins I, are important. I think I'm going to need help for the penguins episode. Oh dear. <laughs> okay, we may have a special guest star for the Penguins episode. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm David. Cord. All right. Okay. Three, two, one. Let's jam. I know my brain went there too. Uh, I have MicroMasters though. I I got those as well. They are neat. Yay! Oh yeah, I've, I've only opened. Two I also got uh, I also got Sky Surfer Strike Force Shockwave. Ah, <laughs> oh, I haven't seen any of the big guys yet. I I am very tempted by Siege Prime because he just looks like a really good Prime. Just straight up oh, he, Optimus Prime robot is. mode. I, I have found the Voyagers. He's like the platonic ideal of an Optimus Prime from G. Yeah, he's, he's just got extra paint and a few little extra gigaws on him. But he's he looks so good and cartoony. Yeah, though I got I did get Siege Hound. Though I don't think he's going to be as photogenic or backpackable as the uh, Iron Factory one that's coming out. Yeah, well, he's also green. I mean, you're going hiking, there's going to be moss and trees and shit. Yeah, he's he like dark out. green, whereas the Iron Factory yeah. one at least is going to be like a brighter, cartoonier green that's going to stand out better. Wouldn't Sideswipe be more appropriate? I mean, he's bright. Sideswipe has no interest in the forest. <laughs> well, yes. Sideswipe doesn't want to go hiking. <laughs> that's the whole. That's why it's Hound Which that I'm taking is because he's the one yeah. who's like likes nature. Well, Beachcomber works perfectly. Although he's well, also yes. like, I've almost bought Sideswipe and Hound a few times, seeing him in store. But it's like I don't really care about them that much. <laughs> I did get a little beach. I got the little like, what's yeah, his face, whatever subline they were on at the time, beachcomber. So I've got. I him don't think too. I ever got that. Okay, so shall I start her up? Sure. Okay.